Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Blisnick Behind the Curtain. My chance, as you know, to step away from the world of politics and law that I cover on television to our podcast radio world where I get to talk about arguably more fun stuff and uh, the world of entertainment and kind of things. And this is a really cool interview you're about to watch because not only are we going to talk about uh, the genesis, if you will, of Sex in the City, the show that you all watched and now and just like that that you all watch, but we're going to talk to the woman who created it all. And because that will get you excited, you're going to say, only I can meet her and see her, and you can, because she's coming to Chicago. Enough ado. Let's get right to Candace Bushnell. Candace, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you, Paul. Great to be here. So you've written a, a whole ton of books. It's I think it's like 10 books, nine or 10 books. Um, yes. I, I read, uh, certainly the first few, I read Four Blondes and Sex in the City. And um, so I'm going to ask you some things because I do know enough about your writing to go beyond the typical in my questions. But I have to ask you some of the typical because people who are seeing you for the first time, they got to hear some of that. So uh, without tiring you out, first of all, you are coming to Chicago, appearing at this great venue, City Winery on November 11th. Have you been there before? I, I haven't. I haven't. You're going to so love this, the- doing this stage show is 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 pretty new. I've been doing it really for the last year and a half. So so, you know, City Winery, it's the, it's the first time I'm I'm there. Well, you're, you're going to love the venue. People can eat there before the show. They bring in some really big names there. I mean, you're, you're really in good company. Okay. The show itself is called Candace Bushnell, True Tales of Sex, Success, and Sex in the City. So uh, it's going to be a great night, November 11th. As I've said, people can go to citywinery.com to get tickets. We'll talk about that again, but I want people to know that they can see you. Um, so first of all, let me just, some of the beginnings, I, I know you ask this every time, but I got to ask it. So everybody thinks you are Carrie Bradshaw. Uh, her life is your life. And, and I mean, there are similarities, but, but you're not Carrie Bradshaw. Actually, I am. Well, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, the character, and this is one of the things that this is really one of the reasons to do this stage show because it answers all of these questions that people have. And I very specifically created the character as my alter ego when I was writing Sex in the City. And I started writing Sex in the City in probably 1994 when I was- it Came out in 96. I started writing it as a column in the New York Observer in 1994. And you know, one of the stories I tell in True Tales of Sex, Success and Sex in the City is why I came up with this alter ego, Carrie Bradshaw. So Carrie Bradshaw really was me. And in the show, we play a little game, real or not real, because there's so many things that happen in the show that happen to me, but they're better or worse than my real life. So, I mean, obviously, over the years, the character is played by an actress, Sarah Jessica Parker. And, you know, the character evolved on her own path and you know one of the differences between the tv character and me is that the tv character 
was really about finding Mr. Big and finding that true love. And my message to women is about becoming your own Mr. Big. And that's one of the big revelations that I share with the audience in my show, True Tales of Sex, Success, and Sex in the City, is that I have a moment of clarity when I realize I don't want to be with Mr. Big. I want to be Mr. Big. And, you know, so that's really what drives me. You know, I would say I'm much more outwardly a feminist than what you see on TV. But, you know, the character, that character was me. And, and you know, it was kind of eerie at first to to feel like, wow, there's an actress playing me. And she picked up a lot of my mannerisms at the beginning. Definitely. So, Candace, I have to ask you the question that people who love the television show and read your books want to know. How much are you, Candace Bushnell, just like Carrie Bradshaw? You know, a lot of what happens on TV, it happens for a variety of reasons that don't necessarily have to do with real life. You know, I mean, that's part of the storytelling of TV. And, you know, I was recently talking to Darren Starr and he was like, he just reminded me, he was like, Candace, you know, what happens on TV? Not real life. He's like, you, 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 you got to forget real life. So that's why I always say that TV has its own logic and it has its own rules. And, you know, it works within the structure of a TV show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's brilliant. Uh, and but your latest book, which is called Is There Still Sex in the City, which I have right next to me and enjoyed and read um, that, too. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming this was pretty much the impetus for and just like that, the sort of re-envisionment of, of sex. No, in the city. actually, they have nothing to do with each other. Really? Um, That's what I, spurred them. I have no idea. Okay. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think they were rebooting everything. So it would make absolute sense to reboot Sex in the City. Um, but I actually wrote the book. It came out in 2019. I had actually sold it to be a TV show in 2018. So before the book even came out, when it was in galleys, it was bought to be a TV series. And it would have, the TV series would have been closer to the book. It would have been, you know, a new group of 50 something women. And at that time I was living in Sag Harbor and New York where I, I still live. And so a lot of the action was going to take place in Sag Harbor because that was something that was happening at that time. A lot of people were moving out of the city. This was even before the pandemic. So, you know, that got fairly far along and then the pandemic came and my co-writer moved back to Canada and it all fell apart as these things do. Oh, so there, there was a different show that's not. And just like that, there was going to be another show that yes. represented this book. Yes. So I actually don't have anything to do with. And just like that, ah. I don't work on it. I don't, they don't consult me or anything like that. Um, so I have to ask, they, do, you, do you watch it? But yes, uh, but they, they give me a credit and they give me, you know, a fee. 
So I'm very happy about that. Okay. I'm very happy it's on the air. You know, adore Sarah Jessica Parker and, you know, the rest of the crew. So, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. So it's happy ending. Yes. I mean, I think the show is just, I think it's a hoot. I love watching it. I think there's always something in every episode that really makes me laugh. So your books, which gives us a look at your actual life, I will say I'm all about dogs and animals. And so I'm not going to lie. I got a little depressed when this latest book opens with your, I'm assuming it's true, your dog kind of dying in front of you. That was depressing for me. Yes. Well, that was real. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's it. You know, that's the reality of, of, you know, life in your 50s, which was something that I was trying to capture. You know, for a lot of women, when they get to be in their 50s, it's a reset. You know, there are yeah. there's lots of things that happen in your 50s. There are losses. There could be the loss of a parent. You know, there's often divorce. Your kids are leaving home. Um, you know, there are big, there could be big career changes. So there's a lot of stuff that happens and women in some ways have to reinvent themselves a little bit. Clearly these books are so, I mean, women love them and eat them up, but I got to be honest, I love them too. So when you're writing, I I, I get it's kind of a woman's perspective. It would be, but what do you think about the men? I mean, are you surprised that that a guy like me who's in his sixties that he, and I love those books too, because there's lots of messages for me too. Yes. And I'm, I'm actually not surprised because when I started writing, you know, I started writing Sex in the City for the New York Observer, which probably was, it might have been 65 to 70% of a male readership. So people feel like it was, you know, written for women, but in some ways it was really written for men. Hmm. And, you know, one of the things that's great about men as an audience, and I don't want to sound rude here, but it's kind of true. Like men know other men can suck. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, men, they, you know, men bully each other. So, you know, men get other guys. Now, if you tell women like, hey, these guys aren't so great. You know, they're like, no, don't break our romantic dreams about men. But men know what other men are like, and they're actually very appreciative. So I, you know, I love the male audience. And I guess what I love, too, is sometimes there's a little jabs that go in there, like like the one friend who says, I've got three kids. Well, two kids and my husband. Um, right. You know, I mean, I'm the guy, but I get it. Uh, I certainly get the reference how men order online, how that, I mean, you really do capture kind of that male world, but you, you sort of turn it funny in the, at least as I read it, because it's just the reality of, yeah, yeah, that's it. You got us. Yes. Yes, that's true. Well, you know, I do actually do a fair amount of research for these books. You know, I'm always talking to women and a lot of the stories in, in, uh, like sex in the city, and is there still sex in the city? You know, those came out of real life experiences that I heard from women. And, you know, some of them are a little sad. Some are disturbing. Some are funny. But they're all, you know, the things that we face. 
as as women. So what's interesting too is that you really create a lexicon as you go through these. You really give us new terms, fun terms. Um, I'm sort of curious: are those terms that are from your life, or when you're writing, are you sort of thinking about? catnip, you know, or something that comes, you know, comes your way and it kind of occurs to you as a part of your writing, or is it's like, no, this is, this is my language. I talk like this. Well, I probably don't necessarily talk like that, but I did start my career by writing for women's magazines and writing about relationships for women's magazines. So one of the, I guess one of the, the features of that kind of writing was to name these different name these different types of people, different kinds of behaviors, that sort of thing. So in a way, and that was something that carried over to sex in the city. And it's just, it's appropriate for a book like, is there still sex in the city? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily do that in a novel. Something that's more of a novel, like, uh, you know, four blondes are trading. Right, right. Uh, But but still, I just love the terminology. And you, by the way, you grew up in Connecticut, right? I mean, I did. So it's sort of interesting. I mean, this your series, I mean, New York, you're so New York centric in all you do. And I get why. I mean, it's New York is the hub of just so much as you will find Chicago to be Um, so much. I I love Chicago. (laughs) I always say we are like the nicer New York because it's, it's, it's the, I love New Yorkers, but you know, you'll just find people and you know, this people are nicer here, whatever. And Broadway shows tend to do their pre-Broadway run in Chicago before they go to Broadway. It is just a really good, how about a book that's set in Chicago, by the way, maybe you need to visit Chicago and write that book. I think I'd have to move to Chicago. Okay. For about six months, but maybe that's okay. I mean, I did live in Chicago a long time ago in the eighties. I had a boyfriend who was an investment banker. He was sent to Chicago and, and we lived there and we had, you know, just off of uh, the Chicago River and he had a boat. So we would take that boat out on the locks and, you know, that was like a hundred feet. Um, it was, it was actually great. Uh, well, well, I'm glad you are coming back. Um, so you have your friends that we rolled, uh, you know, Queenie and Kitty and all the, the folks you create. So I think people who read about those, everybody, again, they go to the TV show. So how much are those characters or how much are the characters of Miranda and, and Samantha? And those? Uh, what is those connection, the connection between those characters we see on television and the folks who are in your life? Well, I, you know, again, those those care. Well, as I like to say in the show. I have lots of lots of girl. I had lots and lots of girlfriends and I've been, you know, writing about, you know, these stories based on stories from my girlfriends for a long time. So those characters were in the book. And then when they made the series, you know, it was just, it's just a standard TV format. Where you're going to have, I mean, if you look at Friends, Sex in the City, Seinfeld, that's just a standard TV format of, you know, it's going to be four to six main characters and they always have to have a coffee shop or someplace to meet up. Right, right. So, I, I mean, that's just a, a very typical half hour comedy template that Darren took the book and put it into that TV template. 
So lots and lots of girlfriends turned into basically four types of women. Uh, so those think, characters think- are in the book. Um, they were a little bit different. Uh, you know, a couple of those characters, I'm still friends with them. Mm-hmm. And I, I still see them. So. So for folks who come to see you, it takes me to want to ask this question. You know that while many people have read your books, there's a lot of people who are just, they're all about the TV series, right? I mean, that, that's, that's their focus. So are you, when you get questions and you know, you, I'm, well, you do this, you've been doing this tour. So I'm sure you get all these questions that are about the TV show and, and all of that. Is that something, do you appreciate that? Do you, uh, is it something that you, you know, is, uh, I, let's just focus in on my life or whatever. How, do, what is your connection to that world you've created? Not only in the books, but the world you created then on television that so many people connect to because they've watched it every week. Well, the stage show is really, in some ways, it's really the origin story of Sex in the City. It's about how I created Sex in the City, how hard I worked to get there, why I invented Carrie Bradshaw, and what happened to me after. And, you know, along the way, I do answer some of the very common questions that I've gotten, like, is there a real Mr. Big? Do right, I have a yeah. shoot session like Carrie Bradshaw? And did I really have, you know, friends like the ones on, on the TV show? So it's, you know, it's it's really, it is in a lot of ways the origin story of Sex in the City. And, you know, it's also combined a bit with my life story, which is what one woman shows usually are and you know a little bit you know how i became successful and um you know all of that so it's 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 probably it's probably at least 50 percent about sex in the city Um, do you take questions from the audience because they'll want to talk to you and ask you questions i don't do that okay uh, I don't. So, but you're aware of what they want to know. So it sounds like all that gets weaved into what you're presenting. Yes. And and actually afterward, when people come up to me, I mean, they're usually talking about how inspired they are and, uh, you know, how much they love the show and how much it spoke to them. So I don't actually I don't get that many questions about sex in the city afterward. Oh. Okay. But, you know. Well, let's talk about something from the book. I, I love the pretty much a, a whole chapter there about the, what you call the Tinder experiment. And uh, yes. I just got such a kick out of reading that because, and of course it can be Tinder, it can be Match, it can be Judate. I mean, there are, there are so many of those services out there, but I get the impression from reading this, that was real for you. You went through it. You, you got offended by the $99 a year they wanted out of your life. I get that. Um, yes, I thought that was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I was curious as to, I mean, like there's match.com. So when you did that, what was there about Tinder that was the one that apparently grabbed you? Well, Tinder was, uh, fairly new and it was also probably the most notorious of the dating apps at that time. Now, since then, I think I probably, you know, I might have wrote, written that in, it could have been 2017. So, you know, these things change so fast. Yeah. Um, and I'd never been on a dating app. So I. Well, were you doing it for to, real for you or were you doing it? Was it a book experiment or was it? It was really a book experiment. Okay. I really wasn't doing it for me. 
Um, but I was doing it. I actually did it for Cosmopolitan magazine. Oh, okay. Originally. And, uh, and it was a very, very long piece. So I, I cut it for them, but put it in the book and it was really, it was really interesting. I, I mean, I, I feel like I learned a lot because one of the things, and it seems like it was a little bit different then because online dating was, you know, now everybody does online dating mm-hmm. and there are just, you know, lots and lots of different, uh, you know, different dating apps. Most of them, by the way, are owned by Match. And people don't know that, but Match owns Match, Tinder, Bumble, and probably three or four other dating apps. I I mean, the money, I wish that I could come up with a dating app because then I would be rich. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really like my dream. Um, You know, the problem on most of these apps is the men. You know, there aren't enough quality men. Let me, me, I want to talk about that, but before I let you do that, I want to ask you, because one of the things you also write about is that the app itself assumes things. It assumes that you want to see age appropriate people. So, I mean, I can see where you're talking about the men you see, but I think before you get there, you have to talk about what you wrote about, which is like the app itself, my words, almost seems defective in letting people go after what they want to go after. Yes. And I think that's true on all dating apps is that there, you know, there is some kind of an algorithm and, you know, I'm on some, a couple of other dating apps and I'm on this exclusive dating app. I don't know if we're supposed to talk about it, but you know, people are constantly like working to figure out like how to game the algorithm. Like if you, you know, and I think that the algorithm also somehow reads how attractive it thinks somebody is. And it tries to show you people that it thinks are of equal attractiveness. Um, so, you know, there are all kinds of things going on there. And, and there's probably a lot of facial analysis mm-hmm. that, that goes on that I think people don't think about. But, you know, I've read things where... People feel like, oh, if you click on somebody who is not so attractive, then the app keeps showing you, you know, lesser attractive people. But the really attractive people, they don't want to connect with you. So it's 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 interesting. To the extent you connected with people on that or whatever other app you might have you know explored, do you tell people who you are? I mean, I mean, I they have. Know. I, What's that? Oh, they, know. they know. They know. And, and it, I mean, my feeling is, I mean, on Tinder, people really knew, um, you know, and at first when I went on Tinder, I didn't realize that you could set your age range. So Tinder just assumed that you would uh, want to be with people who are age appropriate. But then I decided to game it and I put the age down to like 25. And that was when I got, so many responses. Yeah. So it's like the wider the age range that you put on these apps, the more responses you will get. And of course, you know, younger guys 
they grew up with these dating apps and they've done studies like, you know, a guy has to swipe, I don't know, right or left. Or I think left whatever. to get rid of them. I guess right a thousand times to get 10 dates where a woman has to swipe right a hundred times to get 10 dates. So it's actually, you know, maybe the women are more fussy. I don't know, but you know, there are some real disparities there. Yeah. Well, and I found, you know, I, so I tried this years ago and uh, I would go on without my photo because I do television here and all that sort of thing. But, but when I would meet somebody, that's why I asked you about the being known because it wasn't long before I might meet somebody for a drink. And then they made it clear they did know who I was. And then pretty soon the conversation turns to all the people I work with who are famous and whatever. <laughs> so what are they really like? And what are they really like? And you just want to get out of those situations. So I was sort of curious, given that you are so well known, if you if you met somebody, was it sort of like, I don't want to even do this right now? Um, You know, that rarely happens. I mean, first of all, I feel like if you don't, I Google everybody. Oh, okay. If I, you know, if I'm thinking about swiping, I guess it's right. Yeah. And saying like, oh, I like this profile. Um, you know what? I I will Google them. You know, there's some dating apps where you can see their Instagram account. You know, it's like I want to know kind of what I'm getting into. Right. And and I also feel like, you know what? You should do the same amount of work. Like you should <laughs> Google me. Okay. Because really, if you don't know what you're dealing with, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, there's like one guy, I didn't meet him on a dating app, but somebody tried to fix us up and, you know, he wanted to just have like a quiet, low key dinner. And I was like, no, I don't do that. I, (laughs) you know, to me, a quiet, low key dinner is something I'm going to cook at home. Like when I go out, I want to go to the buzzy restaurant. I want to see people. I go to events you know, I'm looking for someone to go to events with me, not someone to, you know, have a quiet little dinner right. in a pokey restaurant. I know that sounds kind of, I mean, it's like that I do on my own with my girlfriends. Well, no, the, the bottom line is that you're right. It's do your homework. I, I imagine, so I get requests a lot from would-be journalists and all that who want to come in and interview me or to have an interview of his own. You must get that all the time. And I'm always fascinated by the folks who who you'll say yes to. And they have done no homework on you. Uh, it's that same kind of issue, meaning they want to talk to you about careers, but you realize they don't know anything about you. And you're like, you're in my world. It's like, you're not going to be a journalist. You don't even know how to be a journalist student. You, you, do you have that? I mean, right. You must face that as well. People who can I talk to you and, you know, but they have done no homework. Yes. I, I mean, I can see that happening, but you know, I don't get a lot of those requests. I have to say, I, I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting because, I mean, Sex in the City is so, the TV show is so big for, you know, the audience out there. But for me in my life, I mean, really, like the only time I ever talk about it is when I'm doing publicity for something and people ask me questions. But, you know, otherwise, I don't actually think about it. I mean, it's like I run into Sarah Jessica Parker or, you know, Kim Cattrall, you know, we chit chat. It's great to see them. I love them. But, you know, we don't talk about sex in the city. Right, exactly. We never talked about it, ever. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
how are your kids? And, you know, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker, her kids are super nice. She's got a lovely, lovely son. So I'm like, I saw your son at a party. He's so wonderful. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. so in the early days of the show where you you, you would talk to them, right, or, or connect, let's talk about Sarah Jessica for a moment. Was there ever a moment where like a script called for something and she did want to talk to you about how you, Candace, would deal with it? Or is that part of my theory of she takes the character in her own direction? Did she ever need direction from you? No, no, I no. But we, you know, we did we did get to know each other a bit at the beginning. And then the props department copied like all of my jewelry and you know, that sort of thing. And she had the same, like the same hair color, you know, things like that. So, but no, I don't think I ever talked to her about it. I think I might've talked to Chris Noth though. Oh, okay. So. Oh, cause he wanted to know how to handle it. Not really any of the women. But maybe okay. like Chris, I think I talked a couple times to Chris No. Interesting. See, yeah. a guy, a guy needed the guidance. Exactly. And <laughs> you know, and we, I ended up living in the same building with him. Really? We don't still live in the same building, but we used to live in the same building. So I love it. I used to see him all the time. And I have to tell you, sometimes there's these little subtle things, what I'll call subtle things in your book that maybe you just put it in there as, I'm not going to call it a throwaway, but it's just sort of in there. But it really hits me. Example. You talk about how like when somebody calls you ma'am, and 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 for me, man, it, it's like, again, I know I'm in my 60s. I don't feel it as you don't feel your age. And it's like when somebody calls me, sir, it just drives me nuts. Yes, it's true. Well, you know, you know, ma'am, you know. is, ma'am is one of those words for women. It's like, you know, that's that's what you would call somebody who was your grandmother's age. You exactly. Know, or you say, sir, ago. is my father. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, those things are, you know, I guess they're reminders of our age. But I mean, I think like one of the hard things about getting older is in some ways it's a little bit easy to forget that, you know, young people, they see people, older people, you know, as older. Right. But you write and, about the super, you write about the super middles, the people who yes. don't age. I mean, we're, we sometimes on our morning show we will we'll do some bits like show the picture of somebody who is an age like we are now kind of a thing, uh, or or somebody who was when they were forty but they look like they were one hundred and sixty. It's a different world today. You I mean you write about that? Sixty is the new. Yes. I think maybe forty or something used to be fifty. I think it's even earlier. I mean, just you look at somebody today and it just age is just almost irrelevant in the way people look and handle themselves. Yes, and also. One of the things that I've noticed is after the age of 60, it's really people age at such different rates. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who are 75 who seem like they're, you know, still 60. There are people who are 65 who seem like they're 75, <laughs> you know, or 80. And, and I think that that's, you know, somehow it's like around your 60s or 70s, that's when the genetics comes in. I mean, I know I know people in their mid 80s who seem really young, you know, and really together. And then there are other people. I mean, I live on the Upper East Side of mm-hmm. Manhattan, so I see a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people over 50 and 60 in the neighborhood. And you know, there's some people that 
they just they just age faster and other people but does don't- age come in as a fact do you are, are you willing to meet somebody and like not know their age and just go hey let me see if this 60 plays like 40 let me see if this 30 plays like 90 i mean is it is that how much of a factor is that for you you know i, I mean i've dated people of all different ages I, I really have i mean i you know there was something in the daily mail i you know i dated a 21-year-old and a 91-year-old in the same week, which was actually true. I went to dinner <laughs> with this 21-year-old who came up to me at a nightclub party and was like, what's your Instagram handle? And I said, Instagram handle? What's a handle? <laughs> that, you know, and that's how they communicate. And, I, you know, and I went out to dinner with a 91-year-old who was, uh, you know, he's, hate to use that term sharp as a tack but i mean he was he was sharp as a tack so you know they were both interesting but so i don't have an age thing although you know the reality is you know even if somebody's in their 40s it's like still could technically be old enough to be their mother yeah that gets me i know what you mean Right. You don't want to do the math. Never do the math because it just right (laughs) when you do the math. So let me go. We got a couple minutes left. I just want to talk more about the show uh, when people come to see you. So how much of the show is the life of Candace Bushnell and stories and how much of it is advice to you? Because like I said, I read your books and I take advice out of it uh, over and above the stories. What what is the blend of the show? You know, it's not really advice. It really is much more like a play. Uh, it's probably a little bit like stand-up, but, you know, there's a set. Uh, originally, it was off-Broadway at the Daryl Roth Theater. So it was a pretty big production with costume changes and a set. And, you know, I had two dressers and I changed my clothes. And wow. you know, then we made a shorter cabaret version to tour. So there's one version that's 80, 85 minutes and a more of a cabaret version that's 70 minutes, which is what I'll be doing at the city winery okay. in Chicago. Um, and, you know, it's stories, but they're all connected. So, um, and there's a, you know, again, there's a game, real or not real. Uh, there's video. So there are some clips from sex in the city there's some clips from my real life um so in a a sense i suppose it's really the story of the real life carrie bradshaw well i love that as i said i had always drawn a distinction between candace bushnell and carrie bradshaw for me you've certainly clarified that um and i think this is going to be great i have to tell you i took a look at the city winery thing to kind of see how things are it's selling well uh so i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you look but i took a look and i'm gonna be honest some of the like really close seats right they're they're gone um so i need to encourage people to kind of get with it uh and go to city citywinery.com uh to get the ticket so the show is called candace bushnell true tales of sex success and sex in the city uh it is november 11th at 8 p.m and people have i think the dinner like starts at five you can get there at five and um so again it's well, your first time there, there are two shows one is at five and one is at 8 p.m okay then i may have said when i look at the website it said something about five well i gotta look back at that because all right and we're gonna go with what you said that there's two shows i read it differently um 
So I want to make sure that it's, yeah, that it's got there correct. But anyway, it's going to be fabulous. Citywinery.com. Get the book. Is there still sex in the city? Kenneth, what a treat to talk to you. Get some things clarified in my life. I told you I'm a a longtime fan and I learned some things just from chatting with you for a few minutes. Thank you so much. Enjoy Chicago. I will. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with me. Bye-bye.